Aloha, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show, and I am your host, Ronnie Landis. I am also the founder of the Holistic Health Mastery Nutrition Certification Course. You can find out more information about that at holistichealthmastery.com. You can also find out more about my work and my books and my lecture videos and my own uh, interviews that I've been on on other podcasts and so much more at my website, www.RonnieMiddle-Landis.com. Today's interview was nothing short of extraordinary, and I have to say I was a bit surprised. And when I say that, I don't mean to say that I was surprised that my guest wouldn't be as amazing as he was wouldn't be as articulate or insightful as he was. It was just simply a pleasant surprise. My guest, Spencer Mack, is someone that I've gotten to know very closely since moving to Kauai. He is the primary steward right now of Noniland. Some of you may know about Noniland through studying David Avocado Wolf's work over the years and Hearing about his his uh, farm, his permaculture farm, Noni Land, over here in Kauai. Well, I met Spencer through uh, going over there and just really hanging out with him. And I knew when I met him a while back that there was something about him that just was captivating. It was intriguing. He's one of those people that has lived life. In his short amount of life, he has really soaked up so much in his experiences, and I knew that there was something there that I wanted to bring out, or I wanted to be, you know, a catalyst in some way to bring out all the treasure that was in him, and he hadn't really put a lot out there in terms of, um, you know, putting his his philosophies on health or nutrition or fitness or even personal development, which we dive deep into, and I think that was the thing I was so pleasantly surprised about was how deep he went into the process of cultivating one's own intention, cultivating a state of presence, a meditative and intentional state of presence that allows you to actually get more done in a more um, qualitative manner, meaning getting more quality out of the work that you do and whatever you pour yourself into opposed to you know, sitting in front of a computer all day long, every day, and that kind of thing, but really being intentional, being mindful, and using that as a as a vehicle to override the hyper-sympathetic overload that most people are experiencing. That's the stress syndrome that's going on in society that most people have some kind of uh, reference for, feeling out of balance feeling, you know, anxious about life and not always knowing where that anxiety is coming from. And I felt that I could be very uh, transparent with him in this interview and share a little bit about what's been going on with me in that arena. And the insights that he shared were not only amazing for the show, but I felt my own state elevate as he was uh, discussing some of his principles and ideas. And I got to say, 
this is a diamond in the rough. And I was so happy that I could finally have him come over and sit down with me for a little bit over an hour to discuss these amazing principles that he's found through his own experience. And we also touch on his dietary journey where he was an eight-year vegetarian and for some of that a full-on vegan. And then he found himself in more of a, I would say like a pescatarian kind of approach, but very non-dogmatic. He's very focused on what actually works. And he's one of the few people that I've come across that actually methodically spends at least three months testing any new idea to really see how it works without any excuses that, you know, it didn't work because I tried it for a week or two weeks or whatever the the case is. He really puts it to the test to find out the truth for himself. And I really appreciate that about him and how articulate he shares his ideas. And we talked a lot about the ketogenic approach that he's adopted and has become a very living embodiment of and the way that he approaches it is different than the way you hear about it in a lot of YouTube media and a lot of articles and stuff like that of people that are coming from a city-based diet paradigm. He really approaches it from a high plant-based um, approach because that's just what you have available to you and then also incorporating certain animal foods um, for maximum optimization um, according to his philosophy and I got to say this man is is an example he is a role model of health and fitness and what it's like what I what I estimate it could be like for all of us to have more intentionality in our life so without further ado I am so excited to share Spencer Mack with you, and I know you're going to get so much from it. So without further ado, Spencer Mack, enjoy. I'm here with Spencer Mack, who is a fitness, health, and nutrition specialist, and I would definitely say expert, and he helps people with coaching and many other things revolving the education and the refinement of holistic health practices. How are you doing, Spencer? Doing excellent, Ronnie. It's a pleasure to have you, finally. Pleasure to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, you know, so we definitely have some really good territory to jump into together and we're here in the beautiful paradise surroundings of Hawaii, which you've been here for a lot longer than I have. And, uh, we're definitely going to discuss that and how you got here. Actually, that's where I'd love to start with you. Mm. Um, how, how you got introduced to, well, let's start here. How did you first get introduced to health? Hmm. You know, what what everybody I've talked to has a very interesting kind of like impetus for how they got started and there's a story behind it. So, hmm. you know, how did you get interested in health? Excellent. Yeah, honestly, I owe it to my first teacher back when I was living in Tallahassee, Florida. Uh going to high school there. I was about 18 or 17. And just really feeling lost with life. It was a really tough, uh, tough outlook, tough future for me at the time. Like just being raised in the matrix and when you look forward to your future, you see school, work, 
marriage, death. Mm-hmm. Like it's all laid out before <laughs> you. You know, it's like, wow, it doesn't look super appealing. Um, and just feeling really lost, like in school, and and um, was definitely using drugs a lot, like like marijuana, mainly to to escape, to experience something more more magical than what everyday living seemed like. And I was lucky enough to have a friend who trained Shaolin Kung Fu. And one day when we were playing hacky sack, he was talking about how he was going back to Kung Fu and, and training again. And I just like knew I was, I was there to jump in. And I've always been into physical training ever since I was younger. And this was just the next level of that, of learning how to integrate your body and mind and it was the full package. So basically, that's how I met my first teacher, uh, Les Clements, Sifu Les Clements. Mm. So much gratitude for this man. Um, and it was through that, this one individual opened up a whole world of knowledge and experience to me. He introduced me not only to, to martial arts and self-defense, but to health and nutrition, to Ayurveda, to um, traditional Chinese medicine, to mm-hmm. Qigong, to meditation, even the alchemy and hermetics. Like this one guy was just mm. opened this whole world of magic basically to me. When, and it was extremely inspiring and exciting. Because, um, yeah, we, we grew up seeing magic and, and epic adventures and movies. And then our life is this kind of mundane thing. But yeah. this individual really cracked that open for me. You know, magic is real. <laughs> alchemy yeah. is real. Mm-hmm. And that was... Uh, that was my beginning, you know. I was really stoked and have been running with it ever since. I was about 11 years ago now. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And did you have any any uh, issues, health issues, or anything that was, like, kind of prying at you? Mm. Hmm. Yeah, definitely experiencing the beginning of I – mean, I had, like, hypoglycemia I would okay, experience, right. you know, probably even like pre-diabetic status from mm-hmm. growing up on all sorts of sugars and whatnot. Even though I trained and exercised most of my life, um, those things were affecting me. And also just kind of this constant anxiety that mm-hmm. I just attribute to anybody living in the matrix. I mean, you're set up perfectly for that with all the EMF and stress from school and life and pollution and shit food. It's all there to to stress you out and not support you, so... I was definitely uncomfortable in my body, and that that was not a good sign to me when it comes to me relating with life. You know, I'm uncomfortable with life in general, so that was a strong driving factor to dive dive deeper into health and, and my mindset. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I can totally relate to so much of that. I, I find myself now really, I came to this conclusion, or I'm refining the conclusion that the most debilitative thing for us isn't just food. Is it? It isn't just lack of exercise or the wrong kind of exercise or a certain deficiency of some sort. Those are all kind of compounded uh, things. But the major problem that breaks people down quicker than anything is uh, human domestication. Mm. Is living in a city. Amen. Like you just said, the me- the electromagnetic pollution. The way that it imprints onto your field and literally it, it has a corrosive effect. Distorting. Uh... Right. Distorting your frequency. So no matter all the positive thinking you do and uh, all the great 
um, advantages of the abundance of information that's laid out in front of us. Even if you are one of those people that's like really tapped in on that level, there's there's some kind of uh, lim- limiting factor of how far you can go within yourself or how far you can you can uh, I guess raise your frequency if mm. you want to kind of go that route because you are being manipulated based on that that form of pollution not to mention all the other things going on mm-hmm. so like I didn't really realize the 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 monumental factor of that how big that was until I came over to Hawaii mm. and um and then I bathed in the water and got really connected here and started to w- witness I'm still witnessing that that shield that heavy dense energy start to drop off me more and more and more mm. um so you know what brought you to Hawaii you've been here for years and you're you're pretty much this main steward over at Noni land um and yeah so like what brought you here and how's your experience been i say good luck and good fortune brought me here uh. um yeah i just i reached a tipping point in florida where i just couldn't take any more of that environment where i was living the city life the grind just trying to get money and <clears throat> even when i was over there when i did just go to hang out and play i liked going to the parks i'm just nature has always been my savior in a lot of ways and it just happened to be at the time when I was leaving my leaving my job there that my friend had just moved out here about three or four months prior. A longtime friend. I've known him since like second grade. So I just knew it. You know, I was like, all right, I'm coming out there. And I basically just decided I was going to move here without even being here, <laughs> having been here yeah. before. And uh, <laughs> he had his godfather out here. And yeah, so I had like family support. I had that line that that drew me to this place, and it just perfectly fit the reality and the lifestyle that I was going for. Because after years of studying all this stuff, like you're saying, you can get so far, but if your environment's still inhibiting you, uh, you know you're going to be limited. And I find, you know, as long as I'm doing what I can in the environment I can, then it's going to still keep progressing. So some people are like, Oh, I'm not, I don't live in Hawaii. I can't do all this stuff or I'm like limited to these, you know, limitations of my environment. I'm like, that's cool. Just start where you are. Use everything that you can and demonstrate to your life. Like, you know, any kind of opportunity I have to benefit my health, I'm going to use. And then ultimately I believe, uh, you know, you'll be gifted and upgrade in your environment or you'll actually finally take that stand to make that move. Because it's definitely a scary thing, you know, you're like detaching from everything you've known before. I lived there for 22 years straight, never lived anywhere else, and just uprooted and came out here. And uh, yeah, it's been a blessing ever since. Not that it's not, you know, a struggle. You got to find your way how to make it here. You got to really integrate with the community. It's a different kind of um, relationship out here because it's a smaller island. So everything's word of mouth. And friendship, you know, <laughs> you don't like go on the internet or or uh, Craigslist to find a job. It's like a word of mouth kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like people make connections. You you get your houses or your food through people you know. <laughs> it's like a first come first serve and family first kind of situation. So, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful thing, you know. You have to relate and with others and co create, mm-hmm. and then together you really have just a big family. <laughs> so, it's a beautiful thing. That is a really beautiful thing that, um, yeah, there's, that's, that's really so much of my experience too, is the community aspect. 
of mm. it kind of forces you in a way to work on yourself if maybe you have um, certain blockages with people, you know, uh, relating with people or working with people. Mm. Um, I find for myself, I, I become very reclusive. Oftentimes when I'm deep in my work and I just want to be by myself, but there's times when I have to kind of get out of that and connect with other people and, and uh, you know, just do that community dynamic. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge part of health, right, <clears throat> is that it, is that it, you know, nobody is an island, even though we're on an island. We, <laughs> we still have to work with each other. And, and a place like this really teaches you a lot about that. You know, how, um, I'm curious, like, how, how I want to phrase this, how has being on the island and you following out the breadcrumbs, um, of meeting people here and connecting with, with more and more people. How has that affected, I, I want to say, your state of mind and just your overall, like, uh, release of anxiety maybe is mm. kind of where I'm going with that? hmm mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you and I were both really similar in the sense, especially like in Florida, I just had a real small, tight-knit group of friends, could always subsist on my own you know in this day and age once you have enough money you don't need other people you know what i'm saying like (laughs) it seems the richer you get the less like you even you know then you put up your walls and somebody else can go get your food and right and uh you just get separated so living out here there's nowhere to hide so to speak Mm -hmm. like eventually you're gonna have to you know people are gonna get to know you're gonna be seen it's a small island so um, you get viewed from all angles eventually, which is not something to be feared, but it's mm-hmm. something that we do fear. It seems, you know, we're always trying to hide these things or these parts of ourselves or our weaknesses or things we don't like or are ashamed of. And getting over those things is one of the most powerful and freeing opportunities that there is. It's just to be like revealed, to be seen, to share yourself with others, all of the parts of yourself, especially the ones you don't want to be seen. Right. So it's been enlightening, you know, to to have the opportunity to know so many different people closely, like family, and each individual brings out a different aspect of yourself. So the deeper you go, the more and more uh, dynamic of a view of uh, or knowledge you have of yourself. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really been enlightening and revealing and just keeps getting better the deeper you go. You, yeah. you, you're like, no, I don't have anything to hide anymore, but then you're like, you know, you hit a place with a certain person that brings up like, oh, wow, there's that, there's that space that uh-huh. that I have to share now because it <laughs> makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been great. yeah, I, I've I've been seeing that recently with certain people that I've been getting to know on a deeper level, and it's yeah, it's been fascinating. It's actually made me like refocus on just like relationships, sacred relationship studies, the the um the contracts that we may or may not have with certain people that you know that trigger us Mm -hmm. and so now because it's in a tighter close it's i find for me because i'm in a closer community that's in closer proximity to each other it's not that i have to for financial reasons abide by any certain uh reputation or image it's more because i live here and other people live here too, and I and I, um, it's more of a just wanting to be in harmony with uh, more of the community. I find it, it alters me in ways where I could be a certain way because I'm annoyed, 
or I'm, I'm like, I just don't want to deal with somebody's thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So I could easily just, you know, say something negative or harmful, even though I don't aspire for that. You know, we're not perfect. So I could act out of my impulse, but then I have to refrain sometimes and breathe and pull myself back and be like, OK, well, if I do that, then I'm going to offend this person that might get off to someone else and create this big storyline. And then before you know it, I'm holding an event here and people don't want to go, not because they don't want to hear what I have to say, because they think I'm an asshole (laughs) because of something that had happened out of context. Who knows when? Yeah. But you can't, you can't, you know, I totally understand what you're saying. (laughs) And, um, it's a funny place, you know, because you can't restrict your expression. Where I'm at now, I don't want to restrict my expression um, for fear of, of hurting others right? <laughs> or being seen in a certain light. Uh, you know, if it's misinterpreted or like the story gets changed down the line, um, you know, I can't help that. But I, I know that place where you're talking about where somebody keeps doing something or <laughs> acts in a way and you're like, it frustrates you. But it's all – it all – depends on the intention behind the way you express that to them. Right. Because in, yeah, what I'm about to say is not going to make you feel good, but like it's going to help you out <laughs> basically because <laughs> I'm helping you see, you know, we, we can't see our own face, right? We need like, we need a mirror, mm-hmm. you know, we need our friends to tell us if like, you know, bro, your shirt's on inside out or you got something on your face. <laughs> you <probably laughs> clean that. And if we're acting in a way that uh, is making us look bad and not coming off, you know, it's not good for anyone, then it's, mm. it's up to us to make the other person aware of it, even, you know, especially if it's going to make them uncomfortable. Mm. So I'm, I'm, mm. uh, been working on getting over that one as well. And just, just really feeling more comfortable stepping into, uh, those spaces of being the deliverer of not such good news. Right. Because ultimately they're going to come back and appreciate you for it. You know, it's like, man, I'm not walking around with this weird thing on my face all the time, bro. Thanks a lot. <laughs> How long was I doing that? You know, it may it may piss them off for a little bit, but they'll come back with a appreciation eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's dive into uh, some other territory here. So, you know, tell us a little bit about your journey that you've had exploring different diets and lifestyle programs and how that's influenced your current um, perspective on these things. Mm-hmm. The journey, yeah, it's a never-ending, constantly unfolding thing. I appreciate my ability to try many things because I find it very dangerous to get stuck in one pattern or the other. Yeah. Like you may find one certain diet solves your problem and then you think that diet is the end all be all. And that's a really dangerous thing that I've seen happen many times. So uh, a certain diet might get you to a place. Um, it might be perfect for where you're at, but nothing lasts forever. Life is a dynamic, constantly changing experience and our diet and the way we eat and approach life has to be constantly changing and upgrading. So I've luckily, you know, I've taken that approach ever since I, I got uh, introduced to Ayurveda um, back nine years ago from my Kung Fu teacher and really dove into that and was getting you know way into the, the kitcheries and all the herbs and the food preparation and the ghee and I went vegetarian. I was vegetarian for eight years. I was mm. vegan for the last year and a half of that. Um, actually, make that six years in the vegan for the la- last year and a half of that. Um, yeah, I've done 
the veganism, the vegetarianism. I've gone on like a high animal product diet before as well. Um, all sorts of different types of cleansing, juice fasts, uh, water fasts, a full spectrum array of different detox protocols. It's funny, you can get way too wrapped up in the healing, cleansing, detox realm and keep thinking like, oh, I got to solve this thing <laughs> that might be, it might be something more like what we're talking about, a relationship mm-hmm. issue or your ability to communicate. And you're like, oh, if I could just find that mineral or that nutrient that I'm looking for, or maybe it's the heavy metals, I got to do chelation therapy. So it can go on for a long time, especially if you're isolating yourself and waiting to like purify or fix yourself before you feel justified to be a human in the world, you know, Mm -hmm. which was almost what I was doing for so long. Uh, I was just like trying to perfect myself and heal any kind of bit of anxiety or stress or weakness that I perceived in myself through diet and detox and herbs and, you know, medicine, minerals, all of it. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's really valuable to, to take that experience and, you know, it's been a gift to me because I, I know those those things, those cleansing patterns, those diets. I know them deeply because I've studied them so deeply, trying to to like cure or perfect myself. Um, and it's it's a never ending journey. It keeps upgrading. Even uh, recently, my diet in the last four months is is far different than it's been mm. the previous years. You know, mm-hmm. as new information comes, I'm always. If it looks good to me, if I do enough research and it looks enticing, I'm going to try it all in, you know, so Mm -hmm. I know for a fact what it does to me. I can't state for other people, but, you know, our genetics are only so far apart. So Mm -hmm. there are Mm -hmm. certain things that work for the human, (laughs) you know, Um, but specifically for me is what I'm interested in. And then more general for to be able to help others out, to help my clients out, Um. Yeah, so always staying open to new information and when you try things out or when I try things out, I do them to the full extent. So there's no question in my mind what it does, you know. Mm-hmm. Some people are like, oh, I tried vegetarianism for like a week. Right. You know, it's like, oh, I was just too hungry. It's like, <laughs> it's like dude, you didn't even make it past like anything, you know. You didn't get past any kind of trial or you got to let your – your the chemistry, your metabolism, your body needs to adapt to the new environment. You're changing the environment in your body, and it's not going to happen in a week. You know, three months is a good chunk of time that I normally can give things to be like, all right, this is what that does to me. So three months is like a is a general kind of like testing phase. It's a pretty solid baseline. Yeah. Even after that, you're going to get more benefits or problems, you know, a year down the road mm-hmm. to get more insight into what's going on. But three months is like uh, I've found to be uh, where things really get stabilized and you see with clarity what that lifestyle does for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, 90 days. Mm. There's Yeah, there's something about that 90-day um, <clears throat> transit window. I think definitely like metabolically and hormonally and, and just biochemically in general and also psychologically. You know, they say like you need 21 days to – to completely uh, change any habit. Mm-hmm. But I don't really, I never really bought into that. I was like, that okay, that's maybe that's like a nice little idea. Uh-huh. But really, to really like turn on the triggers 
and like exchange a long held embedded I something inside of you, mm-hmm. like whether it's a physical movement pattern or a or a program in your psyche, it's gonna take something a little more full on it in my opinion. So ninety days seems to be a lot more reasonable mm-hmm. and legitimate. Yeah, the the habit thing's a funny thing because it can uh it all depends uh, to my perspective, the intensity of the experience that makes you want to change. <laughs> it's like, all right, you know, mm-hmm. it, it can change in an instant if you have a strong enough impact. You're like, I'm never doing that again, <laughs> you know, or I'll drop that habit. Or right. if you have, you know, using the right medicine, certain uh, entheogens or psychedelics are really good at breaking habits to where it's not even something you have to implement. But uh, that's not to say that most of the time it doesn't take uh, hard, continuous effort to make a change. It takes real dedication to, uh, to change ourselves, but that's what makes it so, so beautiful, you know, mm-hmm. is to, to commit to something and to make it happen and to watch how it literally transforms us. That's the most exciting part. Absolutely. I think that's, and that's the area that most people I'm thinking of myself right now, really is having a lot of difficulty, um, well, I should probably rephrase that because I'm not really having a lot of difficulty. I am, I am uh, putting myself in situations that appear that way. But really, when I look at the situation, it's quite simple. And um, you know, sometimes I'll just say this this way: sometimes I go through these little, these teeter totter seesaw moments where all day long, you know, for example, um, I'm I'm. There are times when I'm removing certain things from my lifestyle, certain pattern pattern habits that were fine, but then it reached a point of uh, diminishing returns. And then I'm like, okay, I need to change this. I need to balance certain things out. Okay, got it. So the knowledge is obvious. The, the blueprint is right in front of me. <laughs> and for most people, that's the big issue. Like we're seeking knowledge. We don't have enough information, like you said. Like mm-hmm. I'm not perfect yet to go out into the world and actually – interact as a human being i Uh thought that was really really good and so it's that same thing it's like in my level of being able to fine-tune my own vehicle is is high i can pretty much make my own programs and know exactly what to do how to do it but then there's that other part of actually (laughs) following through Uh in moments where i don't feel like it or i'd rather go back to a certain morning habit yes um instead of doing my my detox cleanse program Uh uh-huh and so let's talk about that like how do you stay consistent (laughs) with your routines and also how do you bring yourself back into balance when you slip off track Mm. Awesome question. I'm I'm extremely fascinated with that realm of life because it's not hard to get the information these days. Well, actually, it may be because there's so much to actually find what's right can be difficult now. But how I've always been interested with what inspires these individuals that reach such peaks of health or clarity or performance, and and it's different to everyone. Um. Honestly, I don't have the most gentle answer for this situation because I haven't (laughs) seen anything change people as well as pain. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen anything better than hardship change and transform somebody for the better. (laughs) And I have, trust me, I've looked, you know, I'm like, wow, isn't there another way that we can grow other than, you know, creating some kind of crazy trauma in our lifestyle or some kind of a painful story. Mm. And 
the more I dig, you know, the more I look at it and think about it, it's not a bad thing. You know, you're not going to have, you're not going to watch a movie without an evil villain in it or some kind of trial to overcome. It makes the story more beautiful. Mm. And the appreciation on the other side, when you have that health, wouldn't be there if you didn't know like what illness and sickness was. You never had like extreme anxiety. You wouldn't really appreciate relaxation and peace and expressing yourself to hundreds of people and how good that feels. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's the most life-changing thing that I've been able to find is, is a good, uh, painful experience. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and mine have come through uh, different illness and, and sickness and uh, loss in relationship or financial downs, things like that. Um, nothing's really ever impacted me more than just seeing how my lack of self-love was destroying my body, basically. Mm. How I was aging and breaking down because I was choosing to feed fear with drugs or sugar, food, whatever it may be. And to like really get a clear view in my life of how that was destroying me. And that is all just a reflection of me like not caring or nurturing for myself. You know, not having an intimate a relationship with myself you know maybe we're all looking for like another person to love us or to be that that individual that's like yeah you're good enough you're awesome but if you're not doing it for yourself you're not going to get to that place so that's been one of the most potent realizations to me that's really kept me on my track um another really valuable and directly connected perception that I'm really into. I just recently read this real, real good book on motivation. I, the name of the book, it's like a, well, I'm the, the name of the book is just leaving me right now. I'll, uh, I'll find it and we'll post it up here. Mm-hmm. But, um, it's all about visualization and motivation. And what, one of the main takeaways I got from this is that if your reality is no different than what you expect from reality, you're going to have zero motivation to change. Mm. So the stories and visions that we communicate with ourselves in our heads, like we're constantly making up these stories and little, little um, plays in our head that show us what we expect reality to be. And if those are just as normal as the situation that we're living in, we're not going to make any kind of real attempt at change. Um, so picking up the practice of really knowing what it is you want and spending the time being a kid and imagining what it feels like, imagine a circumstance or a little story or like a short film of you coming to the realization of these goals, of these things that you've wanted for so long. And, you know, it's so funny because we all naturally do that as kids but then we start getting in trouble for it at school. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, stop daydreaming. What are you doing over there? You need to pay attention to this test because if you don't pay attention, you're going to fail. You know? <laughs> and then like your daydream starts switching to like, oh, man, fail. You know, and you start spending your fucking powerful imagina- imaginative powers on self-destruction. You know, we, I think we have right. the original tendency to create the best things ever. Wow. But this this switch flips – Um, At least it did for me. So where my imagination started being put to misuse and I would spend more time imagining 
fucked up situations that would make me anxious or where I'm failing or going to hurt something or someone and your mind and body does not know the difference between the imagination and reality. Like every time you put yourself in an imagined experience, your body's going to release those chemicals that you would get if you were in the real situation. Mm-hmm. So you're literally just speeding your aging up, uh, sitting there wasting your energy and your time <laughs> imagining a situation that's probably never going to happen. Mm-hmm. So getting the reins of the imaginer, of the captain, of the mind, and learning to direct that, like taking time every day with the practice of coming back to creating an enjoyable vision is is huge. Like that's such a huge part of my practice these days that I'm so grateful to know about. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's a game, you know, the more you get better at catching yourself when you're in these uh, negative visualizations and bringing yourself to something positive, the easier it gets until ultimately your whole day is just spent uh, with your with your mind focused on the best things. Yeah. You know? mm, that, was, that was brilliant. Um, yeah, that, that really made me think of a few things in terms of <clears> – <throat> Well, I mean, there's a lot there actually. So yeah, that was, that was, that was powerful. I actually find myself having to like pause on that for a moment. Um, so one of the things that, that I think about to that is like, you you mentioned, this was a really great, this was a really great point that kind of just like caught me was that if you don't expect your, your life circumstances to be any different than what you actually aspire for, then you're not going to be driven. You're not going to have any impulse to actually change them. And I just, I was just thinking about that for myself. Like I'm like in a state where, um, I'm definitely, I'm definitely driven, but it, but there's a little bit of a, an anxiety there. And this is a passing thing for me. It comes and goes, but, um, at the current, in my current junction, there's a little bit of that, like, uh, little anxiety. So for me, I observe that, like, what is that about? Where did that come from? Is that even mine to begin with? And let's, let's like get to the root of it so we can, we can bear better fruit. Mm. We don't have to produce the results of where this anxiety could lead in some kind of like, really, like you said, like age me. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I'm paying attention to. Like, is this aging me? Is this corroding my imagination? Am I becoming a less, um, in in living enlivened person because of this this state of experience that I'm I'm going through. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, um, it just made me think about um, you know like uh, you want to change your body, right? You want to you want to be more fit. You want to have a different physique. And I thought about as an athlete, I had a different idea of my body. It wasn't drastically different, but it was different in the sense that. It would inspire me to actually work for it, right? Because mm. we have this – there's kind of like this weird um, uh, dichotomy in, in the like personal development, new age kind of world where like you have this split of like if it's to be, it's up to me, uh-huh. right? Which is like you, you work for what you – you earn things, right? There's kind of that idea. Then there's either idea that you know you don't really need to work as hard. You can do less and get more. And so I like both of those ideas. I think they both make sense and they both um, 
have validity. But it's interesting because if you just if you don't do enough, you won't get very far, <laughs> right? So there's also that idea that has to be kind of anchored back into reality. So if you have a vision for like your body, for example, you'll work for it. But it's not really work in that way because you believe in it. You actually feel like you're being pulled towards it, right? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, that's, that's just kind of what came up for me in that. But um, yeah, do you have anything to say about that? Yeah, yeah, because – because you're excited about it, you know. Right. The vision, the vision has to be enticing enough to when you get up from your meditation, you're just right on to that thing, you know. And and uh, if you want to get up from your meditation to go eat something or, <laughs> or watch <laughs> cartoons, then you should probably keep sitting there. Mm. You know, sit still, work on the vision, and don't move until you're inspired. And if you find that you're done with a certain project or a chore. And you don't know what to do and the mind goes to like, you know, some kind of drug of some sort, you know. We're just trying to get serotonin. Sit down and don't move until you're inspired to, you know. Don't move mm. until you know what's like the most valuable thing for you at that time. And it's a tricky thing when it comes to the mind and trying to control this, this you know, untangible orchestrator of, of our reality, of our thoughts, and it's a really subtle game. So there's it's it's funny how profoundly simple and useful just meditation is. Mm-hmm. But what's also funny is you can sit there for hours and accomplish nothing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or you can sit there for a couple minutes and really get somewhere. Yeah. So, you know, that's that split that kind of referencing. Uh-huh. Doing too much or not doing enough or doing too little. Yeah, I think uh, as long as you're inspired, like I really like the vision of those individuals who are so passionate about what they're doing, they forget to eat or sleep. Yeah. You know, you're just like, wow, I'm so stoked in what I'm doing. Like I don't have a weight problem or a food problem at all, that's for sure, because that's not my focus. Like I'm really into this creative endeavor that excites me about life. And basically, if you're really clear on what that is, then then a lot of these other problems that are you trying to to cover up your your anxiety or fear or uh, disconnection with reality mm-hmm. just go away naturally. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, <laughs> absolutely. No, I, I totally resonate with that. Um, so, okay, on that tip, just to round that that thought out for a moment for everyone listening, what is something that you might recommend? And it might be even exactly what you said, like meditation. Mm-hmm. Or even um, maybe a form of meditation, um, but anything like what would be one or two things that you would you would gesture off to people listening to this if they're feeling that way, like they might have a consistent strain of anxiety and they just don't really know what to do with it. Uh huh. Well, utilize as many of the tools as you have available at all times. Like there's literally something you can be doing at any moment of the day that will benefit your growth. And the most mm. subtle or standard, always with you possibility is the way that you're using your thoughts. So as often as you possibly can, you come back to like the words that always loop through my head. I relax. I breathe. Mm. I feel my body. Just reminding myself to relax. Let go of the tension in your body. Get in good posture. 
Have a good breath and feel. Boom. Like the more often I can be in that state, the less extra tension that I'm carrying throughout the day, the better everything is going to be. The more subtle and sensitive I am to all of life's little cues, the more that I can profit or uh, act on um, situations that come up in my life. So that's like the foundational one for me is as often as possible, I'm coming back and I'm checking my posture, I'm checking my breath, and I'm bringing the best vision that I can into my mind. That's something you can do at any moment of the day. And the more consistently you catch yourself in that, once you've done it enough, it becomes your new go-to. Like it's all about putting in enough effort until it becomes habitual and you don't have to try anymore. It just like now, now I catch myself, wow, I'm in good posture. My breath is great. Look at that vision I just had in my head. You know, mm. more and more of the time I'm actually catching myself visioning something beneficial as opposed to some kind of uh, anxiety driven, you know, false reality that I'm making up in my head. So mm. just consistently remind yourself to do that. And there's all sorts of little tricks you can do to try and make that a habit. You can put a a little reminder on your phone. You can have your alarm go off every hour. You can wear a bracelet that reminds you like, oh, breathe, relax, feel my body. Awesome. Um, You know, I even went as far as to doing my own voice recording of my own affirmations and having it play at two in the morning to wake me up. Oh, wow. (laughs) I was trying to get it to like, even if I don't wake up, I figure it's going to get into my subconscious, you know? (laughs) So also, mm. anything you can to bring the memory back to to what's most valuable to you, you know, what you're going to have to find yourself. But I, I really don't think you can go wrong with relaxing and breathing. <laughs> Those are two of the most potent, potent words and abilities there. You know, there's one quote that has always stuck with me uh, that our power is directly proportionate to our ability to relax. And it's so funny. You know, the more you relax, the more you can feel. Yes. And the more you can feel, like what you're feeling is yourself. The energy that you feel is you. So the more that you have developed your ability to feel, the more of you there is, the more energy that you have at your disposal to direct and make change with. So all the things that help you to feel your body and become present uh, develop your personal power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely one of the most... Uh, most potent things. And then on top of that, you know, like getting your, your practice down your morning practice for me, that's like a breath work every day, pranayama. Mm -hmm. And I've got like a certain order of a breathing exercise that I go through. Um, and that goes, that links my body and my mind together, getting the breath woken up, getting like my guts woken up with like some stomach vacuum or breath of fire. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, It gets things circulating. It gets my body oxygenated and it wakes my nervous system up. And then I'm in a place to drop into my vision. You know, this is first thing in the morning. I wake myself up with the breath. When I'm like fully charged and awake from breathing and relaxed, I drop into my vision and, and that's just getting more and more solidified, right? You really start to get the details and details are important when you're creating your vision. It makes it more real. You get more emotion attached but to it. But it comes over time, right? Over time. It starts getting more and more refined. You yeah. know, at first it's like this like two bit, you know, or eight bit like six, you know, Sometimes Nintendo's it's black and white. Point. Yeah. <laughs> but slowly it's like you start to smell the air in the environment and, and mm. like feel the clothes that you're wearing and the breeze and what somebody's saying to you and the tone in their voice. It gets hyper real and this it creates, you know, excitement. This creates inspiration to act. And so setting your mind and uh, 
your body-mind connection straight from the start in the beginning of the day is a huge, huge piece for uh, for lining up and staying motivated and being consistent. Mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I feel just from, from being in your presence as you speak and then, and then, you know, all that being communicated to me, I can, I receive the actual, the state of feeling that you're transmitting just through the simple, the simple phrases, the phraseology of it, relax, rest, chill, release. Mm -hmm. Like those are words that aren't typically, uh, typically used by most people. It's almost like we have to retrain ourselves to to override the negative programming. For sure. You know, and you can start by listening to other people's affirmations or go and read some affirmations online and see how people put them. Um, but ultimately, even things like for me, like breathe, feel your body, relax. If I do it too much, it becomes something that I don't have to be engaged in anymore. Right. So that leads to basically the art of of preaching to yourself. <laughs> right? So you gotta keep it new and fresh and and uh you know, and dealing with the moment whenever you're doing the, the affirmations or conscious thought. Like it helps to have solid ones to come back to, but if it's fresh and engaging and you're choosing new words to direct your mind to a good place, there's even more potency in there. So there really is great value in learning how to preach and learning how to pray. Like what is the best advice you could give somebody else? Like if somebody else was in a tough situation, I bet you have all sorts of great affirmations and things to say, you know, but why can't you turn that on yourself? You know, why can't you say like, ah, you are so taken care of. You are so supported. You will always have more than you need. Mm. Take a deep breath, relax, you open up and release all the unnecessary. You feel free. The blood is circulating. Uh, you see how you're supported. Um, you know, and then start dropping into the gratitude, like going over. You can never go wrong with gratitude as a, at least a beginning of this self-preaching mindset. Just going over all the gifts that you have, the family, the support, the experiences you've had. The fact you can sit here and listen to this on your computer or phone or wherever you may be. Um, just all of the gifts are a great way to get yourself into that. Wow. I'm supported mindset and to see how like life is conspiring for you, not against you. If you take the time to look in that direction, as opposed to looking at all the negatives, you know, making a gratitude a habit is, is huge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of the ideas that, that shifted me a while ago and it comes back to me every once in a while, like now is the idea of pronoia. Nice. Like what you just mentioned Love is it. that the universe is conspiring for me. Oh my god! Instead of against me, <laughs> really the whole time. And but we have this paranoia program mm-hmm. that it's the opposite. That things are entropy. That mm-hmm. things are going to break down. And and uh, you know every you know it's like I hear people's language, and I actually find myself triggered by the fears of others. <laughs> like when other people are fearful or nervous, I get irritated. I'm like what are you talking about? What do you mean? What? That's like, it seems irrational to me. But when I do it, of course I have to give myself this whole little coaching session. Um, (laughs) funny enough, but anyways, like, yeah. So that idea that everything is actually orchestrating, rearranging and being moved like Tetris blocks in a way that 
is actually for my growth and evolution opposed to the story and the immediate sense like, oh, my God, this thing fell apart. I didn't Uh, get this job. This relationship fell uh apart. Oh, my blah, 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 blah. It's like, but then at like clockwork, always as I look back on my life, like clockwork, I look back, I'm like, wow, thank God that job thing fell through. Thank God. <laughs> whoa, I saw I saw that girl that I was in love with a year later. I'm like, whoa, okay, I dodged a bolt on that one. It's so funny, right? It's, it's hilarious, dude. It's, it made my hair stand up when you brought that up because it is so true and beautiful. Like we're literally living in the greatest story ever told. That's yeah. what's happening. Yes. And you're going to, you need tragedy and trial and near destruction to really get into the story and to have the contrast necessary to just have your mind blown. <laughs> you know? Yes. It's a really beautiful thing. And uh, I am extremely grateful for having the experiences in my life that have shown me beyond a doubt that I'm literally being taken care of to the highest extent. And there may be things that my smaller self, my ego wants to hold on to or trials that I don't want to go through. But I have seen it work out enough times to just know like, okay, like when something really fucked up happens now, I go, huh, like I'm curious as to how this is the best thing ever. Interesting. Like, how are you going to turn this one around, God? That seems pretty bad, you know, (laughs) like this is supposed to be a good thing, huh? All right. And and I have never had it not turn around in such an amazing way. Uh, and I mean, through some intense trials, too. And, and I don't doubt, you know, that I could experience more intense ones in the future than I ever have. But to have those experiences of the turnaround and each time you come back with just more appreciation and, and more love of the of the story you're in. It's a really beautiful thing. Mm, absolutely. Mm. Wow. Okay, so with the time we have left, um, I want to talk about your your specific uh, approach to um, your nutrition strategy, your lifestyle. What does that look like? I know that you actually. Let me take. Let's go from here. Um, you said that you were a vegetarian for eight years, mm-hmm. um, all plant food, vegan for like a year and a half, and then you found your way into a new approach. I'm curious. What what um, if you could possibly summarize, like, why or what was it, the impulse, whatever it was, that caused you to go from that? Because that's a pretty lengthy amount of time, you know, eight, eight, nine, ten years of, you know, mostly to all plant-based food, and then to go into what you're doing now, which to me it seems like, like maybe you found like balance or equilibrium in that. So I'm curious, like what, what got you to, what made you change directions? And then, you know, what, what does that look like now? Mm. You know, it's a really funny thing when you get stuck in a dietary dogma, uh-huh. because the longer you do it, the harder it is to get out. Yeah. You're like, man, if I eat that fish now, you know, it'll be like six years that I just like <laughs> ruined or something. That you know? is hilarious. As opposed to being open to, hey, maybe I'll try it, you know, and not being a feeling bad about breaking mm-hmm. your record, you know, mm-hmm. which is what my ego is doing. And, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and like, as I got more tired or, or ill in a sense from lack of me living on the right diet for me, I would attribute it to like deeper levels of detoxification or something, you know, I, oh, now I'm like hitting like a six year detox mark or something, you know? So it's, it's really interesting. Our psychology and our diet is a really curious thing. Um, but I just got to the point to where I was open to trying fish again. I had had enough, uh, experience 
or friends who were also longtime vegetarians who shared with me their experience of what they had gone to and why they use uh, animal products or eat fish every once in a while. And, and so, you know, I gave it a shot and it wasn't like an enlightening or life changing experience, but Mm -hmm. there were definitely, definitely benefits to it that, that felt right to my body. And I don't want to get caught up too much in my mind game of, of trying to be virtuous or, uh, you know, I don't know, some kind of a high standing ego that might keep you or that might have kept me in like veganism for a while. Uh, just like being proud of, of being, living in that kind of diet. It can be a really hard thing to get out of. Especially when you have a, such a voracious community behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. If you, you might have created an identity and then like was like, whoa, wait a minute. What if I – what's going to happen? Yeah, am I going to lose all my friends, all my support? Are people going to judge me? It's intense, mm-hmm. man. It gets so mm-hmm. sharp. So I totally support anybody living however feels best to you. And honestly, in this life, from my experience, my body is my navigation tool. Yeah. The way it feels tells me what's right, not some concept I make up in my mind or conceive through reading other people's concepts. I listen to the way I feel and whenever I do consume – like right now I'm lucky enough to live where I can get fresh fish Mm -hmm. I'm extremely grateful for that. I I consume dairy products. Like I always look for the best source. I get them local when I can and – you know, I do my research that when I do consume animal products, I do not support these kind of corporations that so many are so pissed off about that are doing such horrendous things in the world. Um, so that's that's where I'm at now is I I am on what is almost like a complete opposite to where I was years ago. Yeah. It's, and it's kind of hilarious. And th- whenever I learned about it, it made so much sense to me just because it was the opposite of everything I'd ever been told. I was like, it must be true, <laughs> right? <laughs> so like, as you know, I'm into ketosis. Yeah. I'm into the ketogenic diet these days. Not that I think it's the end all be all, but for a transitionary or healing modality for my metabolism, it was perfect for the time being. Um, no matter what kind of uh, diet that I went through, I was experiencing fluctuations in my energy throughout the day. I was basically on a sugar roller coaster, and I grew up with access to all sorts of sugars, ate all sorts of carbs. Um, even high protein is going to turn to excess sugar in your body. And you know, if you want to age your body rapidly, uh, you can go ahead and consume more <laughs> more sugar because right. we know for a fact that glycation. Uh, the cause of having excess sugar floating around your bloodstream is one of the leading causes to the degeneration of That's why it's called ages, ages. Accelerated glycation end products. Yes. It's like That's how – you don't need to look past that. I don't even know if they, they really intentionally put that together. Yep. Exactly. It creates something called ages in your body that it ages your body. It's that simple. So the goal of keeping your insulin down and your blood sugar down as much as possible is uh, is in your best interest for longevity and vitality. Or to me, I don't like to tell other people what they need well, to do. Well, absolutely. I'm just thinking of like the a lot of my work has swayed really into the realms of degeneration and especially like cancers of all kinds. Um, thinking of diabetic conditions and the, the 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 pressure that gets placed on the pancreas, which is where so much of your systemic enzymes that actually heal the body, 
um, are being produced. So, mm. like, I'm thinking of, you know, like, what what is what is taken to produce insulin as a hormone or your beta cells. Mm. And there's this constant thing where basically if you overproduce insulin too much, then those those beta cells get depleted over time to the point where they're not actually able to be um, produced or only at a minimal amount. So your pancreas is not able to be rejuvenated. This causes all kinds of other issues, right? So it makes perfect sense from even just that perspective of somebody that wants to be preventative. Mm-hmm. Or they want to, or they want to re, regenerate because maybe they've got into a place where they can't really take much sugar. Um, not that sugar um, in of itself is evil, of course. Like there's all that's there's a scale there. Um, Possibly though, <laughs> <laughs> not rolling out. Right. <laughs> Just kidding. But somebody even like even like really high quality fruit. Like like um, an heirloom banana here or something like once in a while they may be in such a crisis where they can't produce enough insulin to even effectively metabolize yes. that. I've seen that. Mm-hmm. So like I see a lot of like, and I want to talk more about this with you. Like the ketogenic approach, um, and I know there's different ways to do it. Um, I've seen like people have incredible results with this when they commit to it. Mm-hmm. So like what what exactly for all the audience, like what exactly is the ketogenic approach? Mm-hmm. Yeah, most people will get this confused with uh, the Atkins diet right. and just write it off right away. So the Atkins was low carb, high protein, high fat. And the problem in that is the ketogenic diet is basically 75% of your calories come from fat. Then ten percent from uh, from proteins, and then or seventy five to eighty percent, and then ten to fifteen percent from proteins, and like around five percent from carbs. Uh, what happens when you consume high protein? Excess amino acids are converted into glucose. So most people like maybe trying to get onto the ketogenic diet, and they're consuming high protein, and so you're still your body through gluconeogenesis is creating more glucose. So you're not putting your body in a place to where it has to learn to run on ketones. Mm-hmm. So ketones, whenever I learned about ketones, it's like, how come nobody told me about these things? There's a whole nother source of energy that our body can run on. And there's evidence pointing to it being more efficient, a more efficient source of fuel than glucose, like a cleaner burning fuel. There's more byproducts in the breakdown of glucose into ATP than mm-hmm. there is from lipids mm-hmm. into ATP. Mm-hmm. So it's a more streamlined, cleaner form of energy that we would naturally have to revert to before we created a reality where we could eat every three hours. <laughs> you know, now we're living in a world where it's like, oh, don't miss breakfast. You know, that's the best thing ever. <laughs> you make sure it's really big. And, uh, <laughs> and so we never reach a point where, where our bodies have to go back into one of the best places ever called autophagy, which is where we're breaking down our older cells, our denatured cells, our fat cells, the things we don't need anymore, and and reverting to our fat stores. We store something like, what is it? It's like 80,000 calories in fat on like a healthy individual versus 2,000 calories of glucose, of uh, glycogen <laughs> in our liver and in our muscles, mm-hmm. right? So what would you say is the preferred fuel? You know what I'm saying? Oh, I see what you're saying. So the the idea is that we store glycogen as the brain's or the body's preferred source of fuel. That's what we're told. Like sugar is the preferred source of fuel. Yeah. But what you're saying is that 
we we can store way more glucose in a in opposed to how much um, ketones your body will store. So because your body stores less ketones, it actually uses that in preference. No, no, no. We can store way more fat. Oh, I versus, see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I misunder. I misunder yeah, yeah. There's that. like okay. eighty thousand calories oh, okay. of fat that eight, we can store. Yeah. Okay. Versus like two thousand or so calories of uh, glucose. Oh, interesting. So, like you know, people are saying like, "Hey, our body prefers <laughs> glucose." No, it'll just use glucose first. One thing, one reason, because it's a toxin in our bloodstream, and we want to get rid of it as fast as possible. You know, two, it can um, and all the the research I found it, it seems to be like the fastest burning energy. So if we have to like sprint or do high intensity right. exercises, that's when we're tense, uh, taxing our, our glucose or our, our glycogen. Um, there are still other theories that the body has to reach a certain level of uh, adaptation to fat, and then we can actually reach a different energetic pathway of the breakdown of fats that is even more efficient than glucose itself. For those kind of reasons, this is all theory. I haven't actually seen it proven in any kind of study but i find that fascinating yeah yeah so um yeah keep ketogenic diet is basically retraining your body to be comfortable um with metabolic flexibility to be able to go back and forth from like all right i'm burning sugar i'm out of sugar i'm translating to fat and it's not such a big deal you know, some people haven't switched into ketosis for so long, your body can't even do it. And when you're running out of sugar, you start freaking out. You know, you get really uncomfortable. Like all of a sudden, I'm really freaking hungry. I got to do something about it right now. It's almost like a like a coffee or tobacco withdrawal, kind of a similar. Dude, if not more intense, you yeah. know. I mean, I know coffee withdrawals can get intense, but like there's nothing quite like the sugar. That no, I've the seen. sugar, the sugar thing is, is a powerful, it, it feeds, it feeds, um, anaerobic organisms you know it, it, that's their preferred respiration their preferred fuel supply is sugar mm-hmm. you know so that just gives you if you understand like parasitology and how these organisms control mm-hmm. us all the way from our body our cravings to our psychology you start to really reverse engineer this whole thing you're like whoa wait a minute so maybe it's not me that's really agitated <laughs> maybe it's something inside of me that's getting agitated because we're not giving it what it prefers, mm-hmm. and we're changing the terrain. <laughs> That's a huge one, and yeah, a lot of people's minds don't even want to go near that one because it's true mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's intense. It's intense to definitely definitely important to actually take that trial and and put yourself in the situation where you push push past those discomforts. Uh, your body will adapt. It's insane what humans can live through. And you're not going to die trying to do this, trying to quit right. sugar for however long, you know. It's, uh, it's been extremely valuable to me. And one of the most prominent points is what we were talking about earlier, uh, how it affects our anxiety um, and the way you feel about life. And I was just going through – and I've been really healthy into like herbs and good diet and you know low EMF and training – um, but I'd still have these fluctuations in energy through the day and just like feeling fatigue and just like mm-hmm. empty and it's like, I'd have to push through it. And if I wasn't so strong, I'd probably be laying down a lot more than I do, but I have a mindset to push through things like that at times. And, and that is gone. And that is huge to me 
because I've gone through that for years. And when I got into this ketogenic diet, as I said, when I test things, I go all in so I know for certain what it does for me. I was testing my glucose and my ketones daily. I was testing my ketones every three or four days because those ketone strips are a little more expensive, but it's cheap to test your blood sugar every day. And I was testing mine every day for, for months and what I found in the beginning is even at my level of health, I was pre-diabetic right on the edge of it. Wow. I was waking up at like 110, 112 blood sugar, you know, and like fasting, they say a normal rate is like 90 to 110. And so like, or 90 to like 105, somewhere around there. And so my fasting blood glucose was like hinting at pre-diabetes for me, even wow. though I'm like, you know, an insanely healthy person to most people. Um and that was a, a really big wake-up call. And it took me a couple months of, of living ketogenic. I was having um, I was having carbs and having like basically a break day or a cheat day like every Saturday, mm-hmm. so which definitely slowed down my progress or my adaptation. So it took me about two and a half months of that to get to the point where I was waking up then after two and a half to three months with my blood sugar in like 63, 65. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I watched it slowly dropping down, and that's still healthy levels. The doctor's not going to freak out at that. If you're getting below 50, you know, you got something to worry about. Mm-hmm. But the low mm-hmm. blood sugar simply means I got less sugar floating around in my blood causing glycation throughout the day. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like mm-hmm. less of that that I have so to do. So unmetabolized sugar, essentially. Yeah, just free-floating sugar going mm-hmm. through your bloodstream. And mm-hmm. the lower you can keep that, the less glycation you get. Glycation is basically like sugar caramelizing to proteins in your body. Mm-hmm. It attaches and denurtures, denatures proteins, specifically collagen, like breaking down the insides. Decollagenizing. Yeah, breaking down your organs, breaking down your vascular system from the inside. Um so it's kind of like, yeah, like you're caramelizing. You got all the sugar caked on the inside when, of your when body. I, that's, you know, when I think of that whole process and I think of the different um, uh, texture or the shape of like fat, you know, and obviously we're not talking about rancid oxidized fats. We're talking about healthy fat. It's like a lubricant. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of a lubricating agent mm. like a coconut oil or a ghee butter or a um, – avocado or olives or olive oil or something like that it's like it's lubricating your organs and your joints and your nerves like dha especially relaxes the nerves from short circuiting Mm -hmm. right but when i think of sugar um and free and, and too much of it globbing up the system it's like it's it's spiky. It's abrasive. Mm. Like it's very. And we know that it can become very abrasive to the actual arteries and the surface of the the arterial uh, passages. Mm-hmm. And so I think so. Just from that level of common sense and observation, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, here. sugar's like sticky, you know. Yeah, and it uh, like globs onto things. Yeah. And uh, another way that I visualize it as well is like you have an oil burning lamp versus burning some straw, you know. Ah. Like the amount of smoke you're going to get off of like the turning that straw. The end straw product, in, yeah. the off gas. Uh-huh. The, the oil's like clean burning energy to me. That's how it feels to me. Like things are just much cleaner and clearer mm. and it's like this long – like you have so many more calories in a gram, you know, more than twice the amount of calories in a gram of fat than you do yeah. sugar. Yeah. And it's just this long, smooth, consistent burning energy as opposed to these like, whoa, like intense spikes followed by crashes of sugar that lead to you wanting more sugar. It's like the best <laughs> drug you could sell. You know, if you were in the sugar business, you're, you're, you're doing well. 
mm-hmm. but you're not helping mm-hmm. people out. So I don't know how right. that'll, that'll turn out for you. Wow. That, that's amazing. I think a lot of people listening, this is the first time we've brought up the more of the specifics on a ketogenic approach. Um, and we could really dive way further in, but I'd like to round, I'd like to conclude this, this, uh, conversation, um, for further clarification on that, like what is, what is like kind of a basic idea of your current approach to this? Cause I know it's fluctuated and changed as you've gotten deeper into it. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe maybe give people like a few a few ideas because they might still not really understand like how they could apply the principles to their own life. Mm-hmm. So like, what are a few things that you could kind of help kind of bridge for people, or even certain fatty foods that would be, um, you know, ketogenic? Uh huh. Well, my approach as it is on this day, uh, mm-hmm. I am an avid believer in in. Um, intermittent fasting, which is a whole nother conversation, right, right. but, and it's proven one of the most scientifically proven beneficial ways to live and eat for what it does for your body. And one of the best ways to get there with the least amount of struggle is adopting the ketogenic diet. Cause the ketogenic diet will ultimately lead to more satiation and you consuming less calories leading to a, like a longer lifespan, a more vital lifespan. That's another proven way to increase lifespan one of the most proven is uh, caloric restriction without nutrient restriction. Mm-hmm. So the way that I'm living now is I eat once a day, normally around one in the afternoon, and I have a fat salad. I'm into growing microgreens and greens, and like this salad is just stacked with uh, whatever kind of fats I can get my hands on. Um, right now, that's like avocados, mac nuts, some fatty fish. Um, I use ghee a lot. Uh, I'm into you know raw cheeses. Um, things like that to make it like a real fatty, like olive oil, a lot of oils, uh, is it, it's an extremely satiating and you'll way do to eat. all that in one sitting. Uh huh. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's like maybe like a thousand calories when you add it all up. Wow. That's yeah, yeah. it? Well, yeah. It's, which is so, okay. And, um, prior to me eating my, my meal, I ingest a, uh, basically a nutrient dense like smoothie or drink like okay. a tonic okay. i got this from amin ra who is an excellent guy to research a fascinating uh um model for uh longevity as as the rules he's applied but basically you fast as long as you can hold out for my fasts tend to be about 20 to 22 hours and i break it with um a concoction that's multivitamin mineral amino acid probiotic enzyme uh, protein drink like basically it's like everything your body could be asking for mm-hmm. you're putting in you when you're completely empty and you're just ready to absorb all of it and so that's how I break my fast and then I tend to have a meal about an hour after that okay so you know oh, the drink the drink may be like a couple hundred few hundred calories depending on what I put in it I could put like coconut milk or something in it like that and make it fatty too um, and then my, my meal is probably like a thousand to 1200 calories, okay. something like that. So I'm like yeah. probably consuming around 1500 a day. Something okay. Like that. So that, that drink is kind of like your breakfast. It, that's my breakfast, breakfast, which, which happens yeah. at like noon or one. Okay. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you, you fast up until that point. Yeah. Okay. Until I break it with that. I mean, I'll drink like coffee or tea before that. I'm a fan of both of those. But as for calories, that's, that's uh, what I ideally break my fast with. And then when it comes to the ketogenic diet and adopting it in a proper way, um, one of the main things to watch out for is the balance of omegas. 
Uh, mainly being not doing too many omega-6s, which are the easiest ones to get, which makes it a little more difficult to do this diet on uh, on a vegan diet, right. to do ketogenic while you're vegan, because all the nuts and seeds are mainly omega-6s. Mm-hmm. Um, so another good piece of news with the ketogenic diet is saturated fat is like your best friend. So that whole saturated fat and cholesterol thing is just out the window. Yeah. No yeah. support on that one. Complete bullshit. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so, saturated fat like coconut oil, palm oil, uh, avocados, mac nuts, um, you know, and then on top of that, things like olive oils, uh, olives. Those are some of the staples of what I eat. Uh, next to like you know dairy products, if I can get good cream or a good good uh, cheese, things like that, mm-hmm. and. And uh, mixing those together in ever-changing ways to keep me interested Yeah. when I make my meals. You know, I could saute the greens in butter or ghee or something and uh, saute some fish. I'd probably do fish twice a week. Um, okay, so that's not a daily thing. No, no. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I go through periods where I'll consume more than others, and then I'll go through periods where I won't just... eat fish for a couple weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it's uh, you know, it all comes down to listening to the body and not getting trapped in some dogma. Right. Of the mind, which is really, really tricky thing to do. You know? <laughs> so we're just doing our best. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. Um, that was that was so much. We went through so much <laughs> in this conversation, and I'm super happy you came over to to share with all of us. And where can where can people find out more about you? Connect with you, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the <clears throat> website is uh, in works right now, but for now, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Spencer Mack, or Spencer Mack Fitness Instructor and Wellness Consultant. That's my uh, my page on there, and I post regularly on there just sharing information and little experiments that I'm into, and that's a great way to contact me is just through the, the Facebook page mm-hmm. and by the time this actually goes out uh-huh. you might have your website yeah up. yeah and the, and the domain name for that is spencer-mac.com okay and then we'll have all those links um on the on the show notes and the website for people to check you out amen awesome. yeah thanks so much for being here cool such a pleasure ronnie thank you yeah right on All right, everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show and what an episode it was with my good friend and just an unbelievable wealth of knowledge and insight, Spencer Mack. Check his stuff out. Connect with him. Um, I definitely recommend if you're on the path and you're wanting to grow yourself, whether it be health, fitness, or as you could probably deduct by now, um, personal growth or even like spiritual expo- exploration, if anything that we discussed resonates with you, definitely get in contact with this man right here. So much to give. So until next time, aloha. Aloha.